We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey everybody, it's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. We're coming back to you on Monday night. Uh, we did part one in our three-part series on player reviews. And we're joining you again. Uh, you know, I'm, I got Monday night football on in the background, but I really want to talk basketball. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm. I, we were talking in the pre-show that my real life, this is the time where my real life gets uh, exponentially busy, but it's kind of nice to not have to deal with that and cover basketball games so it's actually this might actually be the the a more relaxing winter than i'm normally accustomed to right you you won't get burnt out by christmas and not want to do anything so that's right. that's <laughs> well we're gonna <laughs> kind of jump right into it you know we left off we finished with luka Doncic last time and i figure we should jump right in with one of the players who most benefited from playing with sophomore luka and that is our multi-year, I guess this was his fourth year, undrafted rookie or undrafted uh, uh, player, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, who played all, he played, shoot, he played in 71 games this, yeah, is that right? Man, he played uh, 71 games this year, which is really something for considering, you know, the Mavericks injury issues. He had nine and a half points. He uh, had 5.7 rebounds, 1.6 assists. He was one of the best offensive rebounders in the league, let alone for a wing. He had two offensive rebounds a game, which is kind of astounding now that I'm, I'm like actually reading that <laughs> out loud. Uh, he had a career high uh, shooting the ball from, from three at uh, thir- a, a, a hair over 37.5%. He was a big part of, of why the Mavericks ended up winning a lot of the games that they did. I'm, I'm, you know, after years of killing the guy because we we watched him since he was a rookie and out in summer league, he really showed up this year after after you know falling off his shooting was pretty bad last year and so it's it, you know really you know delighted for him to have a good season. He's an NBA player, probably one of the better value contracts of the league. I 
I really enjoyed watching Dorian this year. I wish the Mavericks would have actually closed a few more games because he had a couple of uh, just huge opportunities to, you know, like that game winner that wasn't against the Lakers at the start of the year is one that stands out. I really enjoyed Dorian's season. Yeah, this was the put up or shut up season for him in a weird way, even though like he has a multi-year deal. So like he was obviously going to be on the Mavs past this season, but it really felt like, okay, this is the year you've been in the league for three years. You're an undrafted free agent, which is tough, but he was a four-year college player. So he's 20, he entered this season as a 26 year old. So at a certain point, you know, you just, played three seasons in Dallas you just have to show something and it's not like in those first three seasons he was like a bit player like Kirk you're talking about man how many games he played well his rookie year he played 81 games and his uh third year in the league he played 81 games and he only played 21 in his second year because he got hurt uh so like he he's played a lot so this was this was his opportunity like the situation couldn't have been better there was no Wesley Matthews there was no Harrison Barnes he was playing more with Luca like Everything was laid out for him to have a great season, and to his credit, he put in the work, and he, and he did it. His shooting number jumps were just – they're really kind of bonkers when you just look at them. Uh, last year, he was 43% from the field, 31% from three, up to 46% from the field, 37% from three. Uh, his true shooting percentage hiked up from 53 to 59 basically almost you know 60% true shooting, which is – really really good for a player like Dorian Finney-Smith especially when you consider where he was when he entered the league when he might have been one of the worst offensive players in the league getting as much minutes as he was getting Um, so like all of the stuff that we liked about him in his first three years that we were kind of despondent about since we knew that when the Mavericks were a good team if his shooting didn't come around all those other little things that he did just wouldn't really matter like, it's so great that his shooting did come around because, like you said, the offensive rebounding, you know, the way that he plays within himself in terms of, you know, he doesn't let the ball stick. He knows his role, um, the way he's willing to guard the best player, even if, you know, we have qualms about how good he is as a one-on-one defender against some of these elite guys. But, like, he had to do it. Uh, there's not really anyone else on the roster that could do it. So it's just it was just really good to see all those little things he brings to the game be able to have make an impact because he could stay on the court more because he could shoot. Uh, if he wasn't able to be a 35% shooter from three this season or better, you know, the Maverick season might've looked, I know it's crazy to say, but their season might've looked way different. Uh, they desperately sure. needed him. Uh, Cause Kirk, he is the only three and D wing on the roster. Yeah. Uh, so that just kind of goes to show the pressure that he had coming on this season. So, you know, more power to him for, for being able to contribute the way that he did. Yeah, it was interesting in our in our pre uh, playoffs kind of preview, and then I talked with Jonathan Charks, and then you and I talked a few times. One, someone essentially told us that that the Mavericks were really only going to go as far as as Dorian Smith was able to take them. Now that that was a, it's a little bit hyperbole in the sense of, of course, it's not on Dorian, but if the Mavericks really hope to to go uh places next year they have to make a choice relatively quickly as to whether they're content with dorian's role they ask a lot of him Mm -hmm. and it's it's not fair he's not he's not a great one-on-one defender 
he, you know, part of why his three-point shooting really went up, I believe, is in no small part because he received the six most open looks in the league. I mean, the guy was just, you know, he took advantage of every opportunity. And it's it's just one of those things where I'm not sure what the Mavericks really hope to um, hope to achieve with him, at least in that spot, because he's probably playing two positions higher than he wants to in the in 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 the or then the Mavericks really want him to in, in the rotation. Would you agree? Yeah, um, you would. You would ideally, I think, with him, want him to be your fifth starter or a backup. You know, your first backup off the bench. And I think, you know, I think this season he clearly proved he could be a fifth starter. Uh, I think, you know, the shooting, you know, the shooting really kind of solidified that. But you definitely don't want him to be your only three and D wing and your starting five and your closing five. That's just that's not the NBA game. I don't know if you guys are still watching the playoffs, but like you look at the Celtics, you look at the Heat, you look at um, the Clippers, you look at the Lakers, you look at the Raptors, even though they got bounced like. This league is dominated by wing play, uh, mm-hmm. and it's dominated by teams that have multiple wings that can do multiple things. And uh, you know, Finney Smith, they need like ideally they would need like two more of him to, to sur- you know to surround uh, Luca with. Uh, so I'm I'm cool with him still being a starter going into next year. I think he's earned that right, and I think he. He showed just enough in the playoffs. You know, he shot 36% from three against the Clippers, uh, which is, you know, that's good enough. He didn't have like a, you know, he only had like one or two really terrible shooting games uh, from three. So if, but my goal is with him is that he can't, they can't run this back and him be the only guy that does what he does in that starting lineup. Uh, They really need just another one or two guys like him. Uh, and then if the Mavericks really want to make like a big splashy move, like if they're going to try to get a third star or someone bigger, he's obviously someone that you, he can't impede at progress. You know, if they're, if it's like, Hey, we can upgrade his spot in the starting lineup with an all-star, then you're like, okay, you know, we'll bring him off the bench uh, as, you know, as mean as that sounds to him for what he contributed, the goal should just be, he shouldn't be the one limiting the roster from, from making a, a, a bigger improvement. Uh, but that said, I, I think that he can be a fifth starter, and so long as he is flanked by at least one other guy that's six seven and can play defense and can shoot threes, I think he'll be. I think he'll be okay. Right, and and some of this for for when, as it relates to Dorian, when you say fifth starter, I think what you mean is like when we talk Luca Porzingis. After that, after Luca and Porzingis, and to somewhat of an extent. Tim Hardaway Jr. After that, the options, I don't say they fall off a cliff, but it's just not what you need to compete at the NBA level to win 50 games in a season. And that's not on any of these players, whether it's Curry, whether it's it's Dorian Finney-Smith, it doesn't really matter. It's just not something that these guys are able to do because they're, you know, they don't have the pedigrees, the the more I think about the Mavericks season and the fact that they were able to make the playoffs and take the Clippers to six games with three guys in their rotation who were uh, undrafted players, two of their uh, core rotation players who were injured were second round players uh, in, in uh, you know, Brunson and Powell. And you just kind of go through the rest of the Mavs 
you know, lineup. And we knew they don't have talent, but uh, they don't have a ton of like pedigree talent is rather what I mean. And, and, and that just, it, it's pretty, it's just a pretty clear solution that improving at one of these spots is one way where they, you know, are, are able to win over, over the course of time. So I, 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 I bet that they do look to upgrade or at least add depth because that's something you said earlier is, is just so true is he was their only three and D guy. And that's pretty preposterous. Right. It, it just, that's just not how, how winning NBA. I mean, God, look at the Celtics. They got Brown Tatum, Marcus smart. I mean, the Raptors have Siakam, uh, OG, uh, Ananobi, uh, the Lakers, the Lakers are probably bucked that trend, but LeBron and Anthony Davis are so good. Uh, but the Lake, like that's going to be a spot that the Lakers are going to probably have to address as as LeBron ages. Uh, and you look at the Clippers, obviously their wing depth is insane. Um, and even like a team like the Rockets, even though they just got kind of trounced in the, uh, against the Lakers, like you know PJ Tucker, Robert Covington, Daniel House, like. Teams just need guys – you need a stable of guys like that. And you bring up the point about, you know, the three starters, you know, Luke at KP and presumably Tim Hardaway Jr. if he if he opts in and, and he stays. That's three of your starting spots, and none of those three guys you would consider uh, above-average perimeter defenders. Yeah. Uh, yep. So you really have to make those last two spots count. And so Finney Smith is one of them. That's great. But if you're if the next one is a Seth Curry or a Jalen Brunson or a Trey Burke, that just really limits your ceiling uh, in a way. And even though you know Seth fit fantastically with that starting group in the regular season, they had some really good numbers. You know, you kind of just see in the playoffs, you just need a little bit more size and a little bit more versatility uh, in your lineup. Uh, and so, yeah, that's just that's just something that they'll have to consider going forward. But it's Dorian Finney-Smith, obviously career season, great value. Like he, it, they couldn't, they really couldn't have expected more from him, and he and he delivered it. Well, the next guy we have on our list is a is a player that I know you were kind of annoyed that they signed Boban Marjanovic. He had a, <laughs> you know, the 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 tallest man in the current NBA had um, I know second tallest because of yeah Taco, uh, yeah Taco Fall. He, he played, you know, nine and a half minutes. He averaged six and a half points. He played 44 games. Uh, he did a little bit of rebounding at four and a half. He was, he was a luxury signing that the Mavericks didn't necessarily have the, that I find a little bit curious uh, in retrospect, but he ended up being, you know, one of the guys who I think was fairly important for team chemistry. Um, Luca is such a competitor. Carlisle is, 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 you know, kind of crazy by half and it was pretty i think having a guy you know who's fun who brings a joy to basketball was probably a pretty important aspect to the roster because of the way the the injuries went down boban ended up playing a lot more than he than he should have and in no small uh part i know a lot of fans are like oh look at his per minutes but it's just it's not a sustainable thing he he would have been a monster you know 15 years ago because he's super skilled but he also can be defended relatively easily um he's coming back next year for one more year and i i, I it was a two-year deal it might have been a three-year with like a team or player option i can't remember right now it doesn't matter um he he's a you know i enjoy him i'm i'm looking forward to watching kind of what what happens next i'd like to see him slide into that kind of team veteran role of that berea took in 
where he's the guy that kind of keeps, you know, calms people down. And he did that a lot this year. He was a guy that calmed KP down after he got ejected from the first or from, from the playoff game. You know, he's, he's going to be 32 years old, uh, which is, you know, one of the older players in this roster. He's, you know, I, I like Boban, but I'm, I also don't like, there's just not like at a certain point, there's not a ton, you know, we can really talk about with him. Right. Yeah, Boban, to me, fits in that J.J. Brea role where you look at this roster and you realize that there's a lot of guys on this roster for the next year or two that are kind of locked in, you know, like uh, that's and not for big money. So they're not like locked in. They can obviously be pretty flexible since not a lot of these guys make big money, Mm -hmm. but they're still taking up roster spots. Right. Uh, We talked about Brea like. When this, if this team wants to make improvements, how many roster spots are going to be available this summer? Oh, God, I got to stop saying this summer, this off season, <laughs> maybe and maybe next off season, uh, because you know everything you said about Boban is true, and like you know we all read the articles about how how loved he is, and I'm so glad he's on this team. But when you have a third big, um, when you have a third big, the point of the third big is like, hey, if something happens, he can step in. And when Dwight Powell got hurt, it, it's we they have to bring in Willie Cauley Stein, and it's like, well, then why do you have, you know, like if if an injury to one of your bigs necessitates you having to sign another one, and your third big can't step into maybe an increased role, then that kind of defeats the purpose of having a, a third big in today's NBA, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad he's on the roster, and it's it's clear that he's helping with the team chemistry, and you know, it's good to have you know, guys that gel with Luca. So like, I'm not like mad that he's on the roster. It's just more of a, they just, I, it's just hard for me to, to reconcile that stuff with like the on paper stuff. So like basketballs, it's, it's not a cold emotionless sport, but like how much, how much is Boban's locker room stuff worth compared to having a player that could play, step in and play 20 to 22 minutes. If one of your bigs gets hurt, for two to three weeks like that's the kind of stuff that i really wrestle with and it's not fair to boban obviously like he would probably love to play that many minutes but the physical the the human body has limitations especially when you are as large as boban so it's something i wrestle with and i know that kind of it kind of makes me the party pooper because everyone loves boban and i'm kind of like yeah i I love him but like (laughs) like he can't play defense um and he can't you know he's very easy to scheme out uh in certain situations and when Powell got hurt and Collie Stein had to be signed, that that kind of just solidified it for me where it's like, it's great that he's on the team for the locker room and the off-court stuff and, and getting them through practices and, and gelling with teammates. But it's when you got a guy on the roster taking up that spot when it could be used for something else, that's that's tough. But we'll see. That's not his fault. And, you know, he'll be on the team and, and everyone will be happy about it. Well, the next guy that we have, it's an inch. He's a bit of a conundrum, at least in my opinion. He, uh, we were going to talk about Jalen Brunson, who went down in the second Atlanta Hawks game with a season-ending so- shoulder surgery. Sorry if there's some background noise. My dog keeps chomping at what my wife's uh, snacking on. It's a hilarious noise. Um, the Brunson went down, you know, due to a, a shoulder injury suffered in the opening minutes of the Hawks game and the Mavericks season start there. There's kind of a, you can look at what happened to Dwight Powell. That's one kind of defining moment. Brunson is where things really like the cracks became fissures and the Mavericks kind of had a real, real challenge to, to do anything different. Um, 
I, which is crazy because I'm of the opinion uh, that Jalen Brunson is not particularly good. Um, his numbers compared to his previous season were almost the exact same. He is a scoring guard, not a point guard in the sense that you need. He is, you know, he's very, he's good, but he's, is, is he good enough? Like he's, he's a little undersized at six one, you know, I, I, the fact that he capped out at being better than Dennis Smith jr. Already, which was an early, uh, uh, Jonathan Sharks take that I loved. Um, I'm not sure if that like that's not really doesn't do either one of those players any favors because I feel that at most he's kind of a replacement level guard. Is that too harsh? I think it might be because uh, when you consider where he was, I mean, he was a second round pick and he what what were his a second round pick on a playoff team averaging 18 minutes a game shooting 46% from the field, 35% from three, you know, eight points, you know, three, three assists off the bench. Like, you know, you have to start wondering how, you know, that's still tremendous value, especially with uh, the way that the Mavericks bench was laid out as with Berea not being a part of it. Like that was kind of the thing with Berea, not, you know, with Carlisle not going to Berea and him and going with Brunson and Berea's Achilles, like Brunson kind of, had to, you know, he kind of necessitated himself on the roster, so to speak, you know, uh, because, you know, you look at the Mavericks and you think, well, they got Luca, you know, why invest, you know, a, a, a high second round pick and do another point, you know, into a point guard when you've got Luca. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it seems like he, his injury kind of uh, necessitated his worth, right? Like, I mean, the season kind of, the Mavericks kind of slogged to the end of the year. And I know that he was very streaky and, you know, not even just game to game, but within a game, he was pretty streaky. Right. But the fact that they had a guy on their bench that they could call to, to potentially give him 20 points, 15, 20 points on and on a given night, maybe not as consistent as you would like, obviously, but he's a second year guy, but you know, they had to sign Trey Burke cause they need, they desperately need, you know, we all talk about how they desperately need another guard that can do stuff next to Luca. And Brunson feels like that kind of guy in the sense that, like, he doesn't feel like a guy that's going to need the ball the way, like, a Dennis Smith would. He seems more comfortable playing off the ball uh, as long as he can, you know, be more consistent with his shooting. So, like, him being able to attack secondary with secondary actions off what Luca did. And then also, you know, when Luca's on the bench, to be able to, to run the offense somewhat, you know, pretty well. Like, he was a really good luxury for this team. And I think, you know, they had to sign Trey Burke to replace him. You know, this team has no wings and they still had to sign Trey Burke, which goes to show kind of how much they needed Brunson healthy and, and playing well for the team to have success. And yeah, I don't know. I think you're a little harsh. I think the the thing that probably drives us the most nutty is his streakiness from three. Like you, he was such a great college three-point shooter and he would just kind of go in and out. He kind of goes in and out with months like what I'm looking at his, his game logs. He shot 26% from three in November. Uh, then in December he shot forty one percent, and then January he shot thirty three percent, and then in February before he got hurt he shot forty three percent. So very, his three point shooting was very streaky, and they really need that to be smoothed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for him to be as effective as he can be, but otherwise, you know, considering where he was drafted and considering how the Mavs looked without him, uh, I think he proved his worth, and I think he's going to be a key part of this thing going forward. I don't know. I mean, the reason I say <laughs> that is because I think that that Trey Burke his fellow Naismith award winner um, 
came in and did the same thing he did. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, you know, what sort of happens with the Mavs and Burke is, is a discussion that we can have in a couple of days. But it just kind of stands out in my mind. And I don't know. It's, I'll it's, give you this. I think this is what you're hitting at. Guards that have Brunson's skill set are not necessarily the most rare type of guards yes. to find. Yes. And it's a skill set the Mavericks can milk exceptionally well, probably better than any other league in the team, which is basically mm. what Burke did. So I can yeah. kind of see that. I could see that point. So maybe he's not like a guy that's – he's not untouchable, obviously, but like they – whether it's him or whether it's someone else, they need his archetype on the roster. I think yeah. we probably both agree on. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's a safe way to settle. Um, <laughs> the, the, the last guy – that we should talk about before we should get out of here is a man who in the preseason referred to himself as the Michael Finley <laughs> to, to uh, Luka Doncic and Kristaps uh, Porzingis, uh, Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, uh, which I, I remember being like offended by. Yes, and, we are Finley stands. Right. And, and he ended up, he ended up being pretty, dang good right like yep. talk to me about trey burke or trey burke talk to me about tim hardaway's season one of the weirdest seasons i think i've seen from a mavericks player in terms of like man when he oh, I'm, I'm i should have had this pulled up before uh we started recording so he played a game against the spurs on november 18th and this is when he was still a backup early in the season this is obviously early in the season he played 15 minutes off the bench. He was 0 for 5, 0 for 3 from 3, 0 points. Uh, had a turnover and basically got benched. You know, he only played 15 minutes when you've been averaging like 22, 25 a game. And that was like, I was like, that's it. It's over. Like he, he did not look good coming off the bench. His defense is bad. He was taking, you know, the same crappy shots he was taking the year before and when he was in New York. And it just wasn't, it wasn't working. Uh, and like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like it took a long, you know, it wasn't like a, a prolonged awakening. Mm -hmm. Like Seth Curry got hurt, I think, or I can't remember who someone got. Yeah. Seth Curry got hurt. He started the next game, the very next game on November 20th, golden state, the Mavericks win by 800 points. And he scores 20 points on seven shots, six to seven shooting four, four, three. And from there, he's the third best player on the team. Like, that is so insane to think of he basically overnight went from one of the worst players in the rotation to almost, you know, untouchable, like invaluable, like mm -hmm. it, it, one, just a absolutely banana season. Um, and then, yeah, I'd, I don't know what else to say about him. Cause just that shoot, his shooting was just tremendous working off of, and maybe that was just all it needed to be was he needs to start. He needs to be next to Luca. He shot exceptionally well next to Luca. I believe he was somewhere like 44% or 42%, somewhere in that range when Luca passed him the ball from three. Uh, he was he was just so crucial in opening up what the Mavericks need to do because remember, Kirk, we got really mad last summer about the Mavericks offseason, and we were still kind of right about it, I think. Um, and the whole point of it was, boy, they needed a shooter. Like this roster had so many unproven shooters, they needed to go out last summer and get them a shooter that could play, you know, close to 30 minutes a game. Uh, and it turned out, you know, we were, you know, they searched for Danny Green, and I argued about Terrence Ross and, and Jeremy Lamb and 
and other guys turned out they they got him like he was almost their offseason acquisition in a way that they needed uh being able to shoot the way he did it really turned their season around i think yeah and he was better than danny green this year which is really uh, funny i remember friend of the you know former former maps moneyball writer and friend of the program dalton trigg and i got into it in a in a uh uh direct message back and forth where he's just like kirky you're not believing in Tim Hardaway enough before the season. And then in the season, he was crowing to me. And I understand why. But it's hard to explain to people who don't really un, you know, know how the math works. He shot two thousandths of a point under 40% from three. After being a career, like before this, you know, last season with the Mavericks, shooting the exact same volume just with the Mavericks in in 19 games, he shot 32%. So I don't know what to think about his three-point shooting in the long term. It's a little frightening for me. Yeah, he doesn't have the track record. He doesn't have the track record. But what I will say is that he, the Mavericks let him have just enough of the bull that he likes to do when he thinks he's Kobe for, for lack of a better descriptor where he would get just enough shots like that. And then a lot of the shots that he took were as a result of the offense and were great shots. So Mm -hmm. if you work out the garbage where, you know, he still shot some mid range, but not as many as he had in previous years, those sorts of things just kind of roll together to where he just had an outstanding season. You know, what happens next with him is, is something I'm going to be very interested in seeing. Uh, he has one year left on a player option deal, and there's a lot of ways he could go. Um, again, I've, I've referenced him twice in this podcast already, but I think it's interesting. Charks pointed out to me uh, just before the season ended that, you know, what a guy wants to do is really important in, in, how, in how players, you know, go about themselves. And this guy's 27. He's been in the league for six years now. He's experienced a lot of failure and Mm -hmm. now he's had a little bit of success. Is that success enough for him? And, and I, I really, I hope it is because I think he'd be valuable to have back with the Mavericks. He's, he was key. The the Mavericks would have kind of a gaping hole if he decided to test free agency and go elsewhere. Yeah. How insane is it to think, you know, what we were talking about before this season started that now it's like, if he leaves, we're pan we're panicking right like yeah. if you, they have to like if he leaves they better have a damn good backup plan in the chamber you know like because he's exactly what they needed next to luca um you bring up the point about you know what he experienced you know he he had a lot of losing now he got a taste of winning he's also you know he's been paid relatively well he got a big contract so you you and sharks might be on the right path there where he's he's gotten his big payday He's been a featured guy where he got as many shots as whatever he wanted on a bunch of bad teams. So maybe, you know, he's a little bit older. So maybe this is just him maturing into realizing what he needs to do to to close out his career. I mean, even though he's still like a young guy, but like, you know, he kind of maybe he got all that stuff out of his system. But yeah, he was he was tremendous. Uh, I think something that was really good. He was really, really good. Uh, shooting one, off one or two dribbles. Basically, he was really good against closeouts. He'd close out mm-hmm. and he would take like a dri- dribble or two inside the arc. He is very efficient there. Um, but the thing I brought up, you know, when we were talking about Dorian Finney Smith is if you've got Przingis, if you've got Luca, if you've got Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, three fifths of your starting lineup has no perimeter defense. 
And I know that the Mavericks talked it up, and I've seen smart people talk up his defense. I just can't get there, Kirk. I've Me watched either. too many possessions. I've written about it a couple times. Every time I wrote a, a post this year about the Mavericks defense during a, a downturn and, and how they had a stinky two weeks, I always, Kirk, in that, in that two-week stretch, would find a clip of him getting absolutely roasted backdoor off ball and not paying attention. Um, I know that on the ball he probably gets some pretty good effort, but in terms of his defensive awareness in a team setting, it is it is terrible. It is not yeah. It is not good. Um, he's not someone that raises the floor or the ceiling of your defense. He's someone you have to cover for, um, even if he does give admirable effort in a one-on-one uh, scenario. But again, I don't think the Mavericks were expecting to get anything out of that side of the ball from him at all. So, yeah, the shooting, man, the shooting is just it's just out of this world how good he was. Uh, and how perfect he feels like just it's just so bizarre like you said his track record is just terrible uh he did not have a great sh- he has what his career best before this season was like 30 35.7 yeah and that was in 2016 2017 like it's it's just pretty remarkable and i think yeah. uh sam on our staff has said something he's like man all these guys careered this year and it's like how sustainable is that going into next year like there's a lot of questions about, you know, you just hope that the, the Mavericks can take what they did this year, improve on it, and hopefully these guys can at least stay where they were. But, like, it does poke into the back of your brain. Like, you know, what if next? What if this was the Mirage year and, and what, is, what does next year look like for these role guys? But maybe that's that's a different thing for a different time to talk about. Yeah, it is. I do want to hit on the fact that, that the, it's the Luka Doncic effect. You saw this yeah. with a lot of the shots these guys got. I think it's at least worth worth noting. I, I don't think it's a – but what it really actually says to me is what if you get better players in here? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's that's yeah. kind of my very mean take on the situation as, as rough as it is. Because, um, I mean, even Hardaway, like he was a 24 24- – pick overall he's a late first rounder you know he's got talent it's not what I mean I don't want to say he doesn't have talent but this is like the the pedigree of guys you know this is how you build teams but it's it's just it's challenging the pedigree of the Mavericks right now is is overall not great um past the top two but I, I really hope Hardaway does come back so we have just a few minutes before we get cut off with our awesome podcast uh <laughs> app that we're using here um it's it's you know this is how these things go josh and i have plans to be back a little later in the week to discuss a few more guys we're not going to discuss the entire roster because you know i just i don't have certain takes on like the the uh, g league guys that sort of thing but we got five more guys left that we're going to cover late in the week uh our guy ryan did a podcast a draft-based podcast we're really going to start hitting uh, the draft coverage stuff now that that has been bumped back to uh, mid-November. You know, dates aren't solid yet, but it seems relatively reasonable to expect that that holds. So about, you know, eight more weeks of draft coverage. Uh, I think we're we're going to continue to do some look backs just because of, you know, just what you hit on there in the end that, you know, the, the, the Luka Doncic-based stuff, you know, is this stuff sustainable with certain guys? Is You know, it's I'm, I'm really interested in talking about that because – I don't know. I'm of two minds. I didn't want the Mavericks to lose because I never want them to, to lose. I want them to win a championship, but I'm just a little bit. I also don't know where they go from here in certain respects. And, you know, we're going to be starting to talk, you know, draft, free agency, these sorts of things. And I think I need to have these talks just so I don't become like <laughs> obsessively negative because 
you know, Lauren, uh, one of our occasional staff writers who also has her own podcast was like, you know, pitching, you know, she's like, what would you like to see for Russell Westbrook trade? And I saw some people like doing Mavs related things and I want to throw them into the sun. So it's like, I, I, I just, I need to talk about this to like, keep my kind of spirits up because the more that we're not talking about how awesome Luca is, the more I'm like, no, the Mavericks are bad when they're not, they're awesome. So I, I'm just, you know, this is my <laughs> own headspace problem. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right. I I understand, and it's a weird. This is going to be a weird off season, and I think we're going to have a lot of time on our hands with the way they're spacing things out now to try to delay the start of next season until things are less on fire. So <laughs> we're going to have to keep our our minds occupied, or or we could go into dark places. But we got to be happy. The Mavericks had a good season. These guys did. They did. They did, and that's what talking about these guys' seasons has reminded me. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow with Mavs Moneyball After Dark. If you've made it this far, I'm going to ask one more thing of you. I would really like it if you go to your various podcasts uh, or subscription services and give us a good rating. I understand if you don't want to give us five stars, but those sorts of things really help us in terms of getting podcasts promoted to people who are doing things like doing searches for Mavericks-related podcasts. We know you have a lot of options. There's a lot of our a lot of our friends and colleagues are out there doing stuff. Josh and I, uh, we're not quite as consistent, but we do like to think we bring our own level of insight to this. So we appreciate everything that our, our listeners do for us. This has been Josh and Kirk again with Mavs Moneyball After Dark, and we will talk to you in a few days.